build your nest. Call Panda. Call Panda Law. 702-818-3888. Your home for UNLV Athletics is right here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. KWWN Las Vegas. In the morning, when you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. According to front office sports, Evander Kane may have used a fake vaccination card. The NHL is investigating whether or not Evander Kane submitted a fake vaccination card to the league to prove that he was vaccinated. Is it sad that this might be one of the lesser things this dude is known for? I mean, a quick rundown of his offseason. He was accused by his wife of betting on NHL games. He has been cleared of that. The NHL investigated that, said there was no proof of that. Um, He has been accused of bribing a woman to have an abortion and then not paying her. And it was apparently the third time he had offered to pay her to get an abortion. Uh, And he has been accused of sexual assault and domestic violence by his wife. All of this comes off the heels of during last season, the conversations about whether or not Evander Kane was going to have to file for bankruptcy, despite being an NHL, an active NHL player. This guy has had the disaster in every way. It's the worst offseason in terms of like headlines that a player has probably ever had in any sport. Like that's a career's worth of bad headlines for like 15 players. And he's had them all in about three months. I wonder if like when they're checking the cards, because I think you have to. I mean, like take the Golden Knights. You can't come out and say we're 100% vaccinated and have not checked the cards. Because if for whatever reason anyone finds out you're not, horrible news, horrible headlines, you don't want that. But I wonder if they're checking the cards for the Sharks. If someone said, let's take a closer look at Evander's. Like everyone else, they just accept and said, yeah, he's vaccinated. But with Evander, like, eh, let's just take a close look. Get the magnifying glass out. Let's see what this thing's about. It's it's incredible. Like how? I mean, ultimately, you just say he's a bad dude. I mean, he's just a bad guy. How, yeah, it's, un, <laughs> it's unreal. Like, and the, okay, I don't know that this actually matters. You probably shouldn't be trying to fake a vaccination card anyways. But to have all the off-season headlines he's had and then to immediately turn around and try to fake a vaccination card is just like, what, what are well, you doing, dude? I mean, you already got caught for everything else. Get it all out of the way <laughs> yeah, at once. Like, what else okay. can he do? It's just incredible. And, like, every time you do something, buddy, you get caught. <laughs> well, imagine if he doesn't. Imagine all the other stuff he's doing. Imagine if he's looking around saying, well, they still only caught, like, 10% of the crap I do, so... And the most worried he's become is when they said, Evander Shang-Pang needs to talk to you. Next question. The Nets have not decided what to do with Kyrie Irving. Um, So Kyrie Irving, if he does not get vaccinated, cannot play in home games this year. Uh, But the Nets, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, had some previous optimism that Kyrie Irving would get vaccinated to meet the local mandates in New York. But apparently that hope is now waning and they don't know what they're going to do with him. Does the season have to begin where he actually sees what this really means and he just throw up his hands and say, okay, I'll get it. Does he, does he have to start actually missing games and then like losing games? I mean, they're still really, really good, but let's say they lose two or three straight, which obviously in the NBA season you can do. 
to where then the inherent pressure just becomes too much and he's like oh, i i'll do it what do you think is a bigger deal to kyrie irving him missing games and the nets losing or him missing games and kyrie not getting paid because he's going to oh. be in the same situation that like ben simmons is in though ben simmons is just holding out because he wants to be traded but it's like a three hundred thousand dollar check that they miss every time they miss a game right so what's a bigger deal to Kyrie not getting paid when he misses every home game they play or hey your team is losing and you're not out available to them because of this it goes hand in hand but the money's more means more yeah I would think I mean, so I too I would think the money means more now again hand in hand because he's not missing the money unless he's missing the game yeah so but the money will probably I would think Perhaps, if anything, motivates him to do it. It's going to be, by the way, this week you lost a million point five. Like, you know, this is stupid now. We had five games in two yes, weeks. Yes, exactly. You have lost <laughs> 1.5 million. <laughs> what? Okay. My question is, if we flip it on its head and go, they're winning without Kyrie. How many DNPs to like, hey, man, yeah, we know you can play on the road, but the lineup is kind of clicking right now, so we're not really going to use you. That's a really good point. What if they just don't lose without him? Then it's like, it, does that put more pressure on him? Because, again, it's like we're winning without you. You know, you want to do that? Stay over there. Stay in the corner. So if you are... You don't need to come on the te team trip either. <laughs> if you are the Nets, I believe they can win the East. If Kyrie Irving never plays, oh, I agree a with that. Them. The East, yes. The problem is, and we saw this last year, if one of Kevin Durant or James Harden gets hurt, ah, they don't ever get hurt. They cannot win the East, and they need Kyrie Irving like that. Like we we talked to your own Weitzman during the NBA season, and that was one of his biggest points when the Nets acquired Harden. That Kyrie, while he wasn't exactly a focal point to them winning with all three healthy, he was more of a safeguard for okay, if one of those gets hurt, now you have you still have a big two in a playoff series. So that's probably the importance of Kyrie Irving, that he's sort of a safeguard for if one of those two gets hurt, you're still good to go with the big two. Uh, but if you told me right now that Kevin Durant and James Harden are healthy the entire year, Kyrie's superfluous. Like, yeah. you don't really need him if those two are healthy. But yeah. are those two going to be healthy? Now that's the East. Yeah. Can yeah. they beat the Lakers without him? Yeah, can you get to the NBA? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's The Lakers are really good. And hell, will the Lakers even get out of the West? The West is kind of loaded. So... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, they could probably beat anybody out of the West, too. Could beat them. Would they be favored? Eh, probably not. If the Lakers are like the one in, one seed in the West and win the West, they'll be favored pretty much against anybody. So won't be favored. But I think I think that they're in a decent spot if you told me they were healthy. But Harden was hurt last year. Kevin Durant's obviously had some serious, some significant injury issues in his past. So it's really not even close to a guarantee that those two are going to be healthy for an entire season or an entire playoff run. Man, you know, that's a great question. New Mexico won't let media members talk to each other while attending basketball practice. So Jeff Grammer can't talk to himself? <laughs> like he can't sit there and talk to himself, say, boy, they kind of look good down there. They he's the look only one good. there. So yeah. this is from a story in the Santa Fe, New Mexican. Um, that Yeah, the, it was basically about, hey, New Mexico has not had any media access. Like they've had one open practice since uh, since, uh, since Patino took over and all this. Like they've got no access to the players, no access to the coaches. They can't tell any stories about it. And it was just basically a story saying, "Hey, we'd love to tell you more about the New Mexico basketball team, but 
can't. We don't have any access, right? And the and one of the lines in there was that at the one practice they were allowed to go to, somebody from New Mexico came over and told them to stop talking to each other because it would distract the players. Okay, if a couple dudes from the media talking to each other is distracting <laughs> the players, I have pushed New Mexico's prediction from sixth to ninth place. Because if they can't handle two guys talking to each other on the side, how in the world are they going to compete when like the lights go on and they actually have to play games? <laughs> Like, the crowd's talking to each other? Jimmy, why'd you miss those free throws? Well, you know, those two people in the crowd were talking to each other. I can't go on straight with that. Come on. And there's not a ton of... I shouldn't say that. I mean, look, Las Vegas is that way, too. I was... You and I were both at the open practice. Kevin Kruger, they're going to have those. I really think if we wanted to go daily, as long as we don't say anything, I, I think that would be possible. So, they, I think they're going to be good with the media. But, I mean... When it gets into the season, it's going to be you, me at times, Sam, and Mike. There won't be a ton of people there. No. So it's not going to be like everyone talking with each other. I This is just funny right. to, I, me. I can't imagine, to me. I can't imagine there were more than 10 media members at because, this well, practice. More than, yeah, because and, it was the only time you could get in. Yeah. And most were probably TV people because you have Jeff and maybe the beat writer from the Santa Fe paper. You don't have a lot yeah. of beat writers there. It's, but even if it was 300 media members... The players can't focus. Yeah. Three hundred. Why? Are, by talking. the way, why are the players looking at the media? I mean, <laughs> apparently they're talking really loud. <laughs> I wish. I hope, like anything, it was just Grammar talking to himself. <laughs> that would be it. Awesome. And there's no one else there. And Jeff Grammer's just like playing a voicemail out loud yes, exactly. and listening to it. Exactly. And they're like, "What the hell, Jeff? <laughs> Come on, shut your phone off. Stop talking to the guy on the phone." I'm out. UNLV basketball players will get a $500 car allowance uh, from Finley Toyota. So this is a name, image, and likeness deal for the UNLV basketball team um, where they will get the $500 they can have as a car allowance or they can basically just take $500 in cash and use it on what they want to use it on. So they don't have to use it on a car if they're like, hey, I got a car and I'd rather you know pay bills or go out to eat or whatever the hell they want to do with it. Um, so it's the first uh, basketball NIL deal that we know of uh, outside of Tate Martell, and it's just wings. It's the only other NIL deal that we know of for UNLV athletes, but it's pretty good. I mean, $500 a month isn't like a life-changing number, but no. I remember when I was in college, I would have yeah. loved an extra $500 a month. Blueprint Sports and Entertainment is facilitating it. I think... Um... They're a new company. I think Andre Agassi is very involved with that. Uh, they're going to facilitate this. Look, this is 2021. This is the new world. And they're going to try to get an advantage or at least keep up with a lot of programs giving people, you know, giving their athletes through NIL uh, benefits. Um, will they ever get to Alabama? Bryce Young, I have a million dollars before I take a snap. No, <laughs> they won't get to that. But you have to do this, man. Just for Mountain West, you know, you, you can have – and to me, unless people keep up with you, a nice recruiting advantage within the conference, if you do things like this, this is the new world. Gary Patterson, the TCU coach, told boosters publicly two months ago, got to go in the gray area now. He goes, gotta go. he goes, oh, I saw that quote. Yeah, well, the gray I mean, area. Well, I mean, but if you don't, you're going to get left behind. He said, I've got SEC teams calling all my top guys. Well, they're not giving you anything, so what, here's what we can give you. You have to keep up with the Joneses, and, and, and UNLV is going to be at a certain level for that. They're not going to be at the SEC level. But you have to find things to entice kids to go to your school. Uh, Conference-wide competition. I have not seen another school in the Mountain West that has had a, a team-wide deal like Not this. like this, no. Um, and again, not that $500 is really like blowing everybody away, but, but, if it's, but if nobody else in the Mountain West is doing it, then it is blowing everybody else away. And I do think there's going to come more out on this where yeah. there'll be camps around town where the kids go to run camps, they'll get paid for that, interviews they'll get paid for. I mean, this is what this is about, and you're right. 
If I'm Reno and San Diego State right now, I'm like, well, if I'm looking at this yeah. saying, what are we going to do? Because if not, comes down to a kid against us and them, and the kid hears car allowance, $500, that's going to be a big deal. I think one of the easier ones to do, and granted, you've got to be a little bit successful to pull this one off, but like autograph signings is an easy one to do. If you're, if you're a good team or if you're just, if you're even just a good player, that's got some NBA potential. Yeah. Autograph signing would um, be, yeah, I'll sit Bryce down Hamilton. For, right for, I don't know yeah. how much you get paid for how long. I don't know what the going rate on that, but a few hundred dollars or maybe a thousand dollars. I don't know what it is. And I'll sign autographs. And for you're fans. going down the right road. I talked to someone last night that's involved in this heavily, and this won't just be the $500 to get this. Like you said, they'll make appearances. Yes. Finley Toyota. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with this. You have to do this in 2021 to keep up with people no. to recruit kids. This is part of it. And it's good. It's good for you, Novi, because I've made a little bit of fun of them. Because, hey, NIL got announced, and there was nothing well, from UNLV players for a while. Well, it's just Wings <laughs> and Tate Martell, the fake restaurant. Uh, but there was nothing for a while. No. But this they is got good. one. It's a, it's a pretty solid one, especially if what I think is right. And there's no other mountain West schools that have a, this large of a deal for like an entire team. I'm right. sure there's some players like the Fresno state women's basketball twins. I know had something, yes. but team wide, I think this is one of uh, the largest ones coming up next. We'll get into the golden Knights and Robin Leonard. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Afternoon Drive with a Hammer. What is this? From the NFL, 43 Grammys, 19 number one Billboard albums, five epic hit makers, one stage, Pepsi halftime. This ain't real, right? It's real and it's spectacular. <laughs> what is happening? The NFL is in bed with rappers, sports gambling. I mean, let's just do it. Let's light up a blunt, smoke weed, take weed money next. Come on, NFL. Let's do this. Cofield and Company, Drive Time Radio, Monday through Friday. Getting help from LeCision as he was challenged by Johnson. 20 seconds left to play. Sherwood will find it for the Avalanche and race out to center. Working against Haig into the Vegas zone. Haig stays with him. They cancel each other out behind the net. Now 10 seconds left in the third period. Secura plays it out to the blue line. Gilbert, a drive goes wide. Karam's up the wall for Johnson to hold in. Gave it away to Berti, who will backhand it out. Two seconds and one. That'll do it. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Ed has been gone the last couple of days, so we haven't really gotten to talk any Robin Leonard with you. Um, Robin Leonard over the weekend made a lot of accusations uh, across the NHL. Uh, one about these Sabres and how they're handling Jack Eichel. He called for Elaine Vigneault, the head coach in Philadelphia, to get fired because he's a dinosaur. Um, and he accused teams, didn't name any, didn't name anybody that did this, but accused teams of giving out prescriptions like Ambien uh, or Xanax-type drugs, despite not having a prescription, to some of their players. Uh, since then, Robin Leonard says he has talked to the NHL and talked to the NHLPA. Robin Leonard talked to the media yesterday about it, though he wouldn't give any details on how those conversations went. Uh, but he said that he, you know, we, this is something that he wants to change, a change he wants to see in the NHL, and that f- going forward, they're going to do this more in private, more out of the public spotlight. So I'm curious your thoughts on Robin Leonard, his. Uh, his need that he thinks he's the one that needs to basically yeah. bring this up and 
create the change in the NHL and just if that actually can happen. I mean, I have no problem with him saying it if it brings awareness to the prescription drugs. Of all the three things you just mentioned, um, Jack Eichel's situation is is very different, I think, than the prescription drugs between the team and the player, and they both want a different thing in terms of the surgery or the non-surgery. He knows Jack Eichel, so I assume, you know, obviously he has strong feelings about him. I was far more fascinated with the prescription drug uh, um, claims and if that's happening. But, again, I think we'll be on the same page here. I didn't blink if that's happening. I don't no. think that's that's not the only sport where guys are hurting and they're handed something in locker rooms yes. or, or, or clubhouses and, and, and whatnot. So when he said it, I said, okay, well, he's trying to bring awareness to something, and I'm sure the league's going to say about it in the NHLPA. But I said, if you think Robin Leonard – uh, is and his statements and his tw- kind of Twitter statements are going to change that, then it's been going on for, what, decades and decades. I don't know if Robin Leonard can change it. I don't have a problem with him. I mean, if he wants to say it, he can say it. But the changing this? So that was the fascinating part to me. Why did Robin Leonard over the weekend just, to us at least, randomly blow right. up on, hey, on this Twitter. has been going on? And he was like, I've got stories stored up for years about this, right? Why was it this weekend that he randomly was like, hey, here's I got all this info. The NHL needs to change. And when he talked yesterday to the media, Robin Leonard hinted at that, hey, he has tried in the past to sort of fix this or sort of create some change. Now, he didn't exactly say what he had tried, but to me that implied that he had gone and talked to the NHLPA or maybe even the NHL and said, hey, you know, this happened when I was with this team, or I heard this from a former teammate or whatever. And he's brought up some of these issues and said, why is this happening? And apparently it got nowhere. And I, from the way Robin Leonard talked yesterday, it sounds like he went out on Twitter because that was the only way he was going to create any change. That was the only way he was going to actually get the NHL's attention is, Hey, if I say this on Twitter, there will be enough public pressure on the NHL sure, to at least meet to, and talk to, about yeah, it. to do so to yeah meet with them and maybe do something in the future. That was one of my biggest takeaways is that the idea that Robin Leonard has brought this up before and sort of been shooed away or nothing was done about what the issues he brought up with. And he felt the need to say, well, if I go public on Twitter, it'll get a lot more attention and they might actually do something. Now, in that sense, we're taking him at face value that he's actually said something before. Right. Which and that's, I have no idea if right. he has. And he didn't exactly spell out what he had done in the past. It's not like he said, yes, I went to the NHLPA or yes, I... Why, and why not? If you're going to go on this Twitter rant about all the things you're saying in in that's happening in hockey with the prescription drugs and everything he talked about and said, I've done it before... I would think that's – I wasn't at the press conference, but I would think that's a very normal question to ask. What have you done before? Like, I, how did this come up now? Yeah, I don't believe he was asked that specific question yesterday. Okay. So he maybe he would have answered that if somebody had asked. I, I don't okay. know. But, yeah, that to me was one of the biggest takeaways was that he at least implied that he has in the past tried to bring this up and the NHL didn't – there was mm-hmm. nothing – they did nothing about it. I don't know if it. that's true. Right. So and It might be. I have yeah. no idea. And hey, he's going to go public about it. So that's that's where Robin Leonard stands. But it's certainly him uh, taking on something and trying to make a change in the NHL for something that he thinks is important and wants to make a change. And I mean, giving out pills that you don't have a prescription for would seem like a pretty important thing that you'd want to get out. If you're worried about player safety and player health, right. hey, just take this pill. Don't worry about what it is. Maybe it's, you know, again, that we're... You know, we're not completely embracing this, but I, like I said, I mean, I this happens in every sport. It doesn't make it right. I don't want to give out the the assumption or 
the feeling that this makes it right, but this happens in it was a very believable accusation. Oh, it was not. It was not a oh, wow. I've never thought about that. It was a very like. I mean, have people watched the NFL at, at that level and the pain and the hits and you you think they're taking like, you know, Advil? I mean, yeah, I mean, do people think that? I mean, I'm sorry. People can say, oh, how can you say that out loud? Well, just, you know, I'm sorry. Just think about it. I mean, they're literally we had a game where they didn't. Josh Jacobs basically said they shot me up with yeah. Toradol and just went, all right, exactly. get out there and play. You're good. You're that was, good. That was how there. he played his rookie season. Yeah. He played hurt for half of his rookie yeah. season. And it was like a torn something. Was, yeah, yeah. So in his shoulder. And yeah, yeah. it was that's what it was. Were just you okay? I Look, I don't know if there's good times or bad times like we asked Ben. Were you okay on the timing? I think Ben's right. It is much better if you're in like a – a playoff race or even in the middle of the season. And even if you're ahead in the Pacific division and you're playing well, do you want that happening them and then, and then making the focus on that? I will say one of Leonard's quotes yesterday was something along the lines of, I care more about player safety, mental health than I do NHL games, like winning games or whatever. So I okay. don't think it would have mattered. Like if what, whatever pushed Robin Leonard to over the weekend, start sending those out. If that had happened last year during the playoffs, or if that had happened in three months from now, I, I think he would have done it. I don't think he. Oh cared. no, I think he would have done right. it. I'm asking you what the feeling do you think uh, internally was? Oh, you, I think he would have done it anytime. No, I don't. I don't think it matters too much. Like this isn't a. This doesn't sound like a anything that would cause problem for the Golden Knights specifically. This is much more of a Robin Leonard is calling out well other teams, but calling True. out the NHL. Right, he's calling out the league as a whole. I don't know that that would have a big impact. I guess maybe if he did it like an hour before the game start, a game right. he was supposed to start, maybe. Right. But like, and then lose five two. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I don't know if he had done it like on an off day in December. Eh, I don't know that it would have made a big difference because again, it's not like he's it's not like he's calling out George McPhee or Pete DeBoer or teammates about something, right? It's not like he's causing in, any sort of internal issues. It's more of a hey. This is a problem across the league, and nobody's listened to me. Like, we need to change this. I think when I was gone, players... Well, they were going to support him. I get that. Management was going to support him. I'd like to ask the question, do you think it's an issue to Alex Petrangelo, William Carlson, Riley Smith? Is this an issue? Have you seen this? I mean, I think those are the questions that you have to ask now. I mean, he brought it up. So I think it's instead of, hey, do you support uh, um, Robin, which they're going to. They should. There's teammates. I get all that. Publicly, they're going to support him. But I think the important questions to players are, have you seen it? Yeah. Do you think it's true? Especially because there was a report that has now been retracted about Nolan Patrick with Philadelphia. Absolutely. Uh, again, it's been retracted now, but Nolan Patrick, there was a report about a very similar situation mm-hmm. to what Robin Leonard is calling out about Nolan Patrick in Philadelphia. Nolan Patrick is now here in Vegas right. and is a teammate of Robin Leonard. Now, Leonard did also specifically say, I didn't know about anything Nolan that happened with Nolan Patrick. So Leonard was basically saying that's not one of the stories I have. So, but yeah, it's, but thanks for letting me know. Now I got a buddy. (laughs) Can I, I mean, Leonard said he had stories stored up for years. Like he's got a list of these things written down. So I I don't think it was a surprise. Then Robin, Bill Daly's online too. They want to talk to you tomorrow (laughs) because if you do have these stories stored up, they don't need another Twitter uh, rant about this with your new stories. I mean, he was like a deposition. His (laughs) specific threat was he was going to release them every day until something changed. And the NHL met with him. So maybe that was right enough to change it. But he, that was his specific threat was I've got a story and I'll release one every single day until there's some sort of change. So, uh, but I, I will say this. I, don't know that it would have made as big of a difference 
if it happened in season. Okay. I don't know that it would have. I, you know, it's, it's not an agent tweeting out a sword in the player's back with Pete right. DeBoer's name on it. It's not. And bad. I think going forward, not, and this is a very serious matter. We don't want to make light of this matter. This is a very serious matter, although I believe it happens in a lot of sports. If something like this happens during the season, in terms of kind of these Twitter rents, we will not be surprised if this is the person who does it. Oh, he's the only one. He's the only on one. The he's the only one on that team who would kind of take to Twitter yeah. for his feelings. Not to say it's wrong. I'm just saying if it does, if it happens, it's going to be him. Like I'm under the belief there's a team rule to like not tweet, oh. and there's a Robin Leonard exception in the rule yes. because nobody else on the team tweet. Like Jonathan Marshall's had some Instagram comments during the playoffs two years ago, and immediately had to delete them and apologize right. like the rest of the team though like you never see them on social media they have twitter accounts yeah. but they never do much right. with them so like i imagine there's i don't know if it's a team rule but it's probably strongly discouraged to tweet a lot of things so robin leonard's the exception to that rule and everybody knew that when they got robin leonard like it, this wasn't like it's suddenly new no. from robin leonard all right coming up next jason fitz joins the show Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. We actually have Jason to start the segment. This is incredible. How are you, Jason? Hey, Jason. Man, I... You know what? I'm feeling good. Uh, you know, I've, I've had a day to recover. I'm, I'm on to Chicago now. Like, my, my, my brain is ready for it. Three and one, if you'd ask me at the beginning of the year, that's a heck of a start. I'm feeling froggy today. I feel like you said that last year about six and three. That, that's probably fair, too, but that, that's a hurtful thing to say this early <laughs> in the season. I mean, but, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember any six and three. Last year's way in the past. Totally different team. Totally different roster. I was a. Uh... At the game, and I was on Twitter, and I had to pause. Did you have the? Did you go Seinfeld face paint guy the other night? Didn't you have some face paint on? Yeah. Well, see, here's what happened. I was getting ready for the Monday Night Football uh, digital show that I do, Monday Night Tailgate before the game, and they said, "How crazy are you willing to get about the whole Raiders thing?" And I was like, "Well, I'm all in for everything." So I brought a bag of different Raiders gear to wear, and then I show up, and they're like, "How do you feel about painting your face?" And I was like, "Never done it, but..." No time like, you know, the president in front of hundreds of thousands of people on a Twitter live broadcast. So during the show, I painted my face. The problem is then I had to run from one building to the other on campus to do an hour of Spain and Fitz, realizing that I had my face painted the entire time that I was doing it. So uh, it was it's the first time I've really genuinely had people look at me like, why are you on this campus at ESPN? Because people that didn't know the explanation of that just saw a guy in like, you know, shorts and, you know, white joggers and Raiders shirt, Raiders hat, Raiders hoodie and face paint walking through the halls. Not not particularly professional. That's not normal around there? No, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's not the, I'm sure somewhere like, you know, one of the one of the actual OGs is rolling their eyes asking how the hell I got a job at Bristol. <laughs> so, all right, three and one start, but the one was a really bad one, especially with the offensive line problems. Uh, like, you said you're feeling good, but concern-wise, you still think this is like a legit contender in the AFC West? Yeah, I think they're a legit contender for the playoffs, but you know, I still think by the time it's all said and done, Kansas City normalizes, wins the division. And also, like this is one of those moments, and, and I'm not trying to be that guy, but i got to be that guy right now to a lot of Raiders fans on Twitter that over the course of the summer were tweeting me constantly about the ESPN bias for the Chargers and how they're trash and they're awful and 
nobody deserves the benefit of the doubt for the Chargers and the Raiders are better. Uh, what we learned on Monday night is what we've seen all year. Like, the Chargers are a really good football team, by the way. Like, the Chargers have a really good roster, and they beat the snot out of a Raiders team that took a calculated risk at the offensive line that so far this season has not paid off. And I, I don't think that's a hot take. I mean, James has been absolutely just I – mean, he's had his butt whipped some games, and it hasn't been particularly good. Leatherwood's had the ups and downs that you expect from – you know, a rookie that you're putting out there, a rookie that some people thought needed a year to develop, right? So all of, and, and then the interior portion of the line we all know has been banged up by injury. But even Colton Miller has had his fair share of penalties or dumb plays. So, like, you got to look across the board and say, hey, the team convinced the entire fan base this summer that they were making a change to save money to grow for the future and everything was going to be just fine. And a lot of Raiders fans drank that Kool-Aid. I think part of the reason there was – a level of doubt from some people on the the ability of this team to be elite was partially because of that. And that portion of this calculator risk so far does not look good. I think over the course of the year, it'll get better, but I don't think this is a very good offensive line. Okay. So it kind of goes hand in hand with Joey Bosa and his comments. And uh, look, you can freeze one frame. It did not look good for Carr in that instant when you see the kind of still picture of it, but he's been sacked 12 times over four games. So Give us both sides of it, Joey Bosa's comments about him. If we got to him, in essence, he's soft, and Carr also being sacked 12 times, and he's probably looking up every play expecting someone to come at him. Yeah, well, I think there is a little bit of a feel of rush. like that's, And that's not Carr, by the way. That's almost every quarterback in the NFL. You, get, you hit a quarterback enough times during the course of the game, eventually they're expecting the hit to come. And that, I, I mean, that play, I think we were all watching it saying, okay, that's when you know that at that point, you know, they've made a big deal of, I think it was Sam Darnold that said, I'm seeing ghosts. But, like, that's not an uncommon thing for quarterbacks at some point to say, hey, I'm getting confused in the coverage or I'm getting my butt kicked in the, in the hit. So I don't think it's a big deal particularly. Carr uh, knew he was getting abused. And, I, and you know, I, I think the interesting part of it is that they managed to hold that rush off a little better in the second half, but it still wasn't great. I mean, the, the thing that was maddening to me, and, and Lewis Riddick, in full transparency, is a friend. Like, I, I really like Lewis. We're, we're good, and I think he's great at his job. I thought it was maddening to me to hear him continually say, the Raiders need to take a shot downfield to loosen this defense up, because the whole time I'm thinking, cool, where are you getting those three and a half seconds from? Like, I don't care how fast Henry Ruggs is. You at least got to have three seconds to throw the ball as deep as everybody wants this ball to be thrown. And you can't do that if your quarterback's getting murdered in under two seconds. So, you know, I just think all of it was sort of a fail for the Raiders in that sense, coming back to the offensive line. And I don't think it's any big statement to Carr. Carr just had one of those, you know, one of those games where he got hit and then he saw that play develop. So he was going to get hit. It looks like we're four games in, but it does look like this pass rush is legitimate and it's going to be one of the better pass rushes in the NFL. But the secondary, uh, maybe not as good and now has a ton of, of injuries, um, should you be confident at all in the Raiders' secondary going forward? Sure, after they signed Stephon Gilmore. Uh, no, I, I mean, uh, I, I have confidence in the young guys. In there. I, I like Trayvon uh, Maring has been a delight, uh, and Jonathan Abram playing much better. So I, I want to give credit there. But I, I think depth, and, you know, I was, I was hanging out with Canty and Gola Jr. before the Monday night game, and they said, what are your two biggest concerns in this game? And I said, offensive line and depth in the secondary, because we've all seen this. Every time Casey Hayward has to step off the field, there is a marked difference. There's a, a, it, just, it moves down, right? And I know that Justin Herbert didn't put up massive passing numbers, 
but he was able to get what he wanted when he needed it. And, and partially that's because, you know, as nice, I think Trayvon uh, Mullen has played well uh, at times, but, you know, there is no depth and there's no wiggle room. And we all know that Arnett is a liability on the field. Like you just, you, you can't put him out and not feel like you're going to get abused. So, you know, while they're trying to get a young secondary to grow, I think there's going to be some ups and downs here. If that, if that defensive line can't make a statement in every single passing situation, then there is risk. And, and that, even with that being said, Casey Hayward's played lights out. But the lack of depth to me is the biggest concern. And I think that's going to haunt the Raiders week in and week out if guys have to come off the field for cramping or because, you know, you, you've got a, a calf tightening or whatever is happening repeatedly here. Like, that's, that's not going away. Trayvon Mullen left. Casey Hayward had cramps. Damon Arnett left. At what point on the depth chart are you putting Hunter Renfro in this secondary? I mean, uh, if I had the choice between Renfro or Arnett, I'm putting. <laughs> I mean, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Like, cause I feel bad because you know Arnett's a human being, and you know, <laughs> and he's just he's just not good, right? Like, there's just this moment, and you know, uh, Amik like uh, did a nice job. I think it's just he's so small against some of these big receivers, and it just. It looks funny when we see it. Like, I thought he did a really good job stepping into that situation. And everybody knows, like, I'm infatuated with Hobbs at this point. But, you know, I, I just I, – I, I, this the minute Arnett's on the field, if I was a quarterback for the other team, I wouldn't even try and, like, hide it. I would just – instead of having some cute audible call – I would just say, oh, my God, Arnett's on the field. That's where we're going. And, and it still wouldn't be stopped. You know who else is a human being is Urban Meyer. Now. We saw one one video leaked out. He had to apologize. And then came the second one where he's actually apparently grabbing her. Are we waiting for the third? Is there a third video? The people are just waiting behind the scenes saying, we want him to apologize again. Now we're going to go to a third video. And what do you make of his apology, and how long does he you know stick around there? Yeah, I think the problem is you can't couch your apology you know, and, and turn it into, hey, I, I was just in a dumb situation, and somebody wouldn't leave me alone. It was dancing on me. You can't do all of that and then have that turn out not to be true in the next video, right? Like, and some of the players, according to multiple reports, were rolling their eyes at it. Like, uh, the one thing I can say with a lot of certainty, having, you know, have friends that, that play or played in the league, is, like, honesty goes a long way. And standing up in front of your team and being like, hey, guys, I was stupid and I got handsy with somebody I shouldn't have in a bar I shouldn't have been in, I think would have gone much farther with the team than trying to walk it back. Like, they just, they feel that. But what's interesting to me is that, the Jags let their head coach not fly back with the team so that he could stay in Ohio to, to hang out with his grandkids. And I just keep thinking about, like, organizationally, like, I've never heard of a coach, a head coach not flying back with the team. Like, that just seems really straight. This entire situation is awful. And, look, if he wanted the USC job, he should have just told us all. He didn't have to go out and get himself fired <laughs> from Jacksonville to do it. I, I mean, realistically, what happens in his marriage, uh, is, is that's his beast. But, you know, for him to stand up and, and not be honest in an apology, at least that's the way it looks from, you know, the next video, it, for him not to be honest is just a reminder that he thinks that he lives in a different plane than the rest of the people, and that's not, that's not going to fly in the NFL. Like, he's, he's, this thing's failing not just because he's 0-4. Does Urban Meyer win a game in the NFL? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think this is going to be – I don't think – well, look, because – you know, Shad Khan came out with a pretty bold statement about this. And so as more and more and more continues to leak out, I think Shad has put himself also in a situation where he's going to have to say, hey, 
that's not that this this isn't something we're comfortable with. And and by the way, the most incredibly awful part of this, like, is I don't like again, it's his marriage. He can deal with that. Like he, he's certainly made enough money to give up half of everything and every other weekend. Like it's not like that's a big deal for him. Fine, you know. But uh, I I will also say that from a, a realistic standpoint for the Jags. They have on their roster what was supposed to be one of the generational can't miss talents at the quarterback position, and that quarterback looks bad right now. Like Trevor Lawrence looks bad, and that's the one thing I think was impossible coming in for a rookie. Like he may not have had out the gate success, but he shouldn't look lost and incapable of playing the position, and he has at times in this situation. So Urban Meyer can ruin his family. If I'm the Jags, I don't want Urban Meyer to ruin my quarterback, and that's why. They can't let this continue to happen. If he's not a good dude, he's not an honest dude, and on top of that, he's ruining your quarterback while he loses games, what are you keeping him around for? Is the Manning cast as popular at ESPN on campus as it is with people that watch it on TV? My God, yes. And it was, it's, you know, but the funny thing is, I'm glad it wasn't on for the, the Raiders game because I, I, I think as hysterical as they are and as well as they break some stuff down, they also don't really talk about the game. So a lot of people, we've, this is the debate we're having on campus. If your favorite team, because 99% of the people that work at ESPN are maddeningly passionate about a team in every league, right? So uh, most, of, most people are, are asking the question, do you watch the regular broadcast or the Manning cast when your favorite team is playing on Monday night? To which my answer is, I watch the Manning broadcast when my favorite team isn't playing. When they are playing, I'd rather tape it and watch it later to get the little nuggets of information and laugh. Although, seeing the outcome of that game, I would not have rewatched. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Jason, we appreciate your time this Thanks, morning. Thanks, Jason. Have a great week, guys. You too. He's spot on. If your favorite team's playing, you got to no. watch the normal one. Yeah. You, can't, you can't sit there and deal with Peyton Manning's Ooh. jokes and them not actually talking about the game half of the time. Can you imagine mm. the Manning brothers just seeing the picture of Carr <sighs> about to get sacked? <laughs> oh. Peyton would have lost it. Oh, lost Peyton it. almost lost it on Mike McCarthy for not taking the time yeah. out. The, the Monday before, the Derek Carr just crumpling for a sack on third and three. Oh, Peyton would have been because it knocked him out of a chance to go for it on fourth down. Yep. If he just throws it away or tries oh, to run yeah, and chucks it away and it's fourth and three, then it's not a 52 yarder. You have to go for it. Gruden probably goes for it. Right. But because he took a sack and it was fourth and nine, it's like, yeah, we're not converting fourth and nine. You kick the field goal. You must love the Chargers coach who goes for it on everything. Oh, Brandon Staley's great. Yeah. I mean, oh, he's he just phenomenal. Goes and everything. He doesn't yes. care where. Uh, we were talking about it the last two days, but the best part is Gruden going, Man, that guy's aggressive. And it's like, <laughs> Nah, man, that's just that's how it's done now. <laughs> you should do it too. All right, coming up next. He must really want to win. You should want to win. Wait, wait, wait. Not coming up next. We have something to give away yeah, for you. Yeah, you did it. We got two tickets to go see John Fogarty Travel and Band Sunday, October 10th at Encore Theater at The Win. John Fogarty Travel and Band on Sunday, October 10th at the Encore Theater at The Win. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. We will take caller number four. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. No, I'm not an engineer. I have no idea. I mean, I have never heard that. I thought it was a, a, a joke, but, you know, it affected both teams. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. So fun, uh... Story here on the Raiders. Mina Kimes yesterday on first take had this to say. 
after the game, you had John Gruden complaining about the weather delay and the roof and the visiting locker room. If your head coach is complaining about that stuff, you're not a Super Bowl team. That's just weak. Is it weak to be complaining about the weather delay and the maze you have to walk through to get to the visitor well, locker room? Well, it doesn't room? look good, right? It's a bad look now. Would you like to hear him? Would you like to yes. hear John Gruden? Do we have the visitor locker yeah. room one? The that locker room here is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. I mean, you can't see anybody. It's like a maze. <laughs> so, um, you know, whoever, whoever contorted this visiting <laughs> locker room, I'd like to meet this guy, see what his, um, what his idea was. All right, so I'll say this is completely weak. He, she's right. But uh, we were on the uh, famous deadline. I couldn't go down. Uh, so we sent people, and they're, they're really nice to get us quotes. And they said to get to him, you had to enter a room, and there was a secret passageway to get to another room. So it was sort of a maze at SoFi, and I'm glad that didn't happen or that we didn't have to go down and do that. But, yes, anytime you lose like that and you can't block anyone and your quarterback's being accused of being soft and you're losing everyone to injury – I don't know. This is Mike Sanford on the on the on the locker rooms at Sam Boyd. Yeah, this is what this is. Like, so you can't win, I mean, but let's talk about locker rooms. I think part of it is it's just kind of who John Gruden is. Like he's just gonna say just random Crazy crap stuff. that pops into his yeah, head about yeah. like, man, do you guys know about the locker rooms here? Like he's gonna just say that, even though it's not, even if he's not necessarily using it as an excuse, right? But in his opening statement i think it was the third sentence out of his mouth was the way that game started was ridiculous referring to the yes. weather delay that was his opening statement that was not him getting lost in some random question or whatever no that was something he intentionally wanted to say that was something that was top of his mind when talking about how that game went down was the weather delay and while yes i agree it's ridiculous that a building with a roof on it has a weather delay as a head coach, that very much comes off as making excuses. Did you listen to his post game? Yeah. Okay. So the way we got our quotes is someone sent us the post game raw. Heidi Fang sent it to us, and we had to listen to it, which is fine. We listened to it, and we're transcribing. I don't know who asked it, and I will say I heard the Raiders press were late getting there because they couldn't find the, the <laughs> trapdoor room, so they walked in. I mean, it, but I did think it was funny. They're awful in the first half. Horrible. They've set records in the Gruden era for you know fifty-one yards, or whatever it is. So I'm listening to the tape. I'm like, come on, I'm on deadline. I'm deadline. First question. How did you slow down Mike Williams? I'm like, <laughs> what? Is that the first question of this guy after he said they were absolutely horrible? And the second question. And he's like, and Gruden blew it off. I was like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to ask that. Second question. What do you think of Justin Herbert? I'm like, can someone ask him about how his team couldn't get a first down in the first quarter? The third question. He's not an engineer. <laughs> the third question was... I know you're not into moral victories, but what do you think of the crowd? <laughs> Finally, the sixth question was, you, you score, you had zero yards in the first quarter. Reaction. And you're sure this wasn't the Raiders media? No, it was not. It was, well, I, I don't think so. No, I, I heard they were late again. I can it, think of a few people that might have asked those questions. It appears the Chargers media uh, understand trap doors and they can get to these places sooner and later, but. I think it's a beautiful stadium. I did not know about the mazes. I just went right to the press box. It's a gorgeous stadium, and uh, but did, I don't know about the mazes he's talking did about. Did you get lost getting into the press box? No, we had been no? there before. We okay. Knew. No, a, no, no mazes. No mazes. It's a pretty straight shot. All right. So it's it's set up nicer for the media than it is for John Gruden and the Raiders. Apparently so. Didn't yes. they play there last year? Don't, don't they yes. know this maze thing? I would think he'd know, but he won there last year, so the, <laughs> maze, the maze gets tougher when you lose.